All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another... I didn't get a word! <laughs> I didn't get a word! I don't have a word either. It's oh, time. No. It's time for another full throttle episode <laughs> of V8 Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin Oste, joined as always by our Holy esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Cuball-Clark. Oh, I'm disgusted with myself today. Good <laughs> heavens. How did I not come up with that? Well, it seems like it's been a while since we've done it, this. It has. I mean, I, I focus on the trivia question. I'm like, all right, I'm good to go. I even wrote a couple of notes down. Nowhere wow. did it say adjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. So I'm, I'm in the same boat. I was kind of hoping I could just toss that to you and you run with it. But uh, Yeah, well, normally I, I try to be prepared for that, just in case of that, that situation. Right. Try, right to keep, well. try to keep my feathers numbered just for such an occurrence, <laughs> as well, it were. Then we'll just have to make this a, a true full throttle experience for uh, our, right, listeners. Man. our listener. Our listeners, we've got a couple now. So. Yeah, yeah, we do have a couple. Yes, and it's very much appreciated, so... To everybody who's uh, taken the time to uh, share their ears with us, uh, we appreciate that. It's very, very kind. It is very kind. It's kind of a, it's kind of neat to know that people actually listen to this, this stuff. Well, and what I think is neat is that the feedback we're getting, I think, is the kind of feedback we want, where it's yeah. like, hey, that was that was actually valuable and entertaining, and I enjoyed it, and it didn't, mm-hmm. you know, make me mad, and. <laughs> It sheds some light on some things that I'm going through with my own projects that it's right. nice to know other people experience the same challenges. So uh, overall, it was a good thing. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. So as uh, we typically start this uh, show off, we like to try out an automotive trivia question, something to uh, kind of entice our, our friends to stay listening throughout the whole show. And as I say this, <laughs> I realize that the payoff at the end really isn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> What are, you, what are you talking about? These are gripping questions, man. <laughs> well, of course they are, but uh, still. Uh. <laughs> uh, so you alluded that you have indeed prepared a, a trivia question. Yes, sir. Yes, what you, sir. What do you got? Okay. Um, and your your last question, you asked about what was it? The what the first year for the eight track in a car was? Oh uh, yes, yes, yes. I remember something it well. like that. Well, I kind of. I remember I, asking. I built anyway. on that. Yeah, I, I I built on that, and I'm wondering if you can tell me what the last year offered. What what manufacturer offered a cassette player in one of their cars? So to reframe the question, it's Sorry, yeah. what was the the manufacturer? Yeah, what what manufacturer that... was the last to offer a cassette player in their car? In dash. Um... Uh, interesting question could be a variety of tricky answers here because it seems to me the European cars held on to cassettes longer than American did possibly but but then I could be completely wrong on that too so possibly I I know my own personal (laughs) experience uh, of seeing some Chevrolet trucks in the Mm -hmm. late single digit 2000s with mm-hmm. cassette players in them. Uh, but then as I try to use, uh, you know, logic here, I think the cassette technology might have been uh, adhered to perhaps by a more senior level audience than, say, these young kids and their MP3s. So was it a brand that catered to that senior consumer? If, if so... It wouldn't have been a Cadillac because those they pride themselves on leading technology, mm-hmm. and a cassette was no longer leading technology. So it could have been a Buick. Uh, gee, this this is a good one. These are my drawn out ways of saying I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to say that it was uh, in. Yeah, this sucks. Okay, I'm going to just say it was Chevrolet, and you did not ask for the year. You asked for the manufacturer. I asked for the manufacturer. All right. I'm going to say Chevrolet. Okay. Chevrolet it is, is what Kevin says. Yep. All right. It is in the books. All right. Well. What do you got for me? This one, you know, trivia by definition is like, 
kind of obscure, and this one is very uh-huh. mainstream. Uh, All right. Yeah. In the uh, the nomenclature that John DeLorean chose to name the DeLorean DMC-12 car. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's did, so mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> what did the 12 stand for? Oh, boy. Well, let's see here. What did the 12 stand for? And to, um, uh, to kind of kill some time for you the uh, uh, <laughs> d- d- the delorean of course was uh was you know a true international vehicle it was designed in y- italy y- y- yep. it was uh built outside of belfast ireland All right. it-, it was powered by a, a, a six cylinder that was french and swedish in design and oh boy. sold in the u.s uh for me locally at our local oldsmobile dealership is that right yeah 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 Oh, right on. And it was the DMC-12. Huh. So what What did the 12 mean? Maybe 12 meant 12 different places parts were manufactured to bring it all together for Pete's sake. Kind of seems that way. Yeah, it does kind of seem that way. Uh, the DMC-12. Um, oh, you are just a killer at this, aren't you? Um, yeah, this is no harder than that cassette nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is way harder. No, no, really, it's uh, not. And I'll tell you oh. why it's not. Because there are people that are enthusiasts about DeLoreans. Nobody oh. cares when the last cassette player yeah. was installed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it will, it'll be consistent because no one will care after the show either yeah, right. uh, about cassettes. So, sorry, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the 12... Was the yeah? I'll just say it was just for the sake of just not dragging this out. It was the twelfth design, and that's it. The the man takes the WD forty approach. Yes, yes, exactly. The fortieth formulation. Yeah, so it's the twelfth twelfth design. All right. For that car. Yeah, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, DeLorean enthusiasts, if you're out there. I don't mean to insult you. If you're out there. There's another. Yeah. There's the big if. Mm-hmm. Right on. All right. Well, glad we got that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. So is everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Starting year three with a bang here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> oh man. So 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 you've uh you've had a busy week recently. You were I, you were out of town, out in California doing SEMA stuff? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this past week was a, you know, quite literally a whirlwind that uh had all kinds of stuff going on in every different direction. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um Interesting side note about this past week. Uh, yeah, Kelly and I went to Southern California for a work function on uh, Friday. But after that, we had taken the very first during midweek official vacation days that we have taken in 14 years. Holy cow. Yes. Yes. It was unbelievable. I mean, we we went to Disney for crying out loud. Oh my gosh! Yes, on a on a Monday. You and, are on vacation then, and, right? Did everything we could to detach and be on vacation because we have oh, not good done for that, you guys uh, since basically since we started this business. Uh, there's don't get me wrong. There's been travel and there's been things that were like, you know, vacation for other people at car events and things like that. But we're mm-hmm. always working somehow, shooting right. it or whatever. And uh, right. this time we, we hung it up after our Friday commitment and said, we're, we're on vacation. And the great thing was our esteemed crew at the V8 Speed and Resto Shop took care of business and everything went swimmingly. So Sweet. That's awesome. Maybe we can do it again in another 14 years. Maybe, maybe <laughs> so. <laughs> you, you don't want to rush these things, though. No, 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 no. They, they did great. So uh, we're very thankful for that. Uh, but yeah, the, the main purpose of the trip was um, our friends at SEMA had called. A lot of people recognize the SEMA organization at, uh, for their show, for the big SEMA trade show in, in Vegas Correct. in November. And that is certainly their biggest 
highest profile event, but they have other events throughout the year because they are a trade organization and a trade organization does things to help whatever industry that they're involved with. And in this case, Mm -hmm. Specialty Equipment Market Association uh, originally was speed equipment and then it evolved to Mm -hmm. specialty, meaning aftermarket stuff, accessories, and it spans everything from tires to refinishing and appearance products and performance and, and the whole deal. So recognizing that they have members of varying backgrounds and and experiences each year they have uh, a SEMA Hall of Fame uh, banquet where they induct uh-huh. some of the members into the Hall of Fame and they hired me um, and Jesse Combs from uh, right Extreme 4x4 fame and also sure. being the fastest woman on four wheels, world record wow. holder and other Holy stuff. Cow. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Hired us to host the Hall of Fame banquet, um, which was just, you know, it's one of those things that doesn't even seem like it happened. It was uh, right? a tremendous honor for for us and for me personally to be able to kind of be the face and voice of this industry that we work in. Um you know that that means they trust you enough to to be able to do yeah. that, which yeah. I don't don't take lightly. Sure. And then uh, with the Hall of Fame aspect, to induct some people that I've looked up to forever, um, Ed Pink, you know the world famous engine yeah. builder, uh, was the most probably famous guy from a, a regular enthusiast standpoint. Um, Donnie Utterly and Chris Thompson were the other two gentlemen who are huge pillars of the industry. They're not quite as public um, as an Ed Pink, but they mm-hmm. have done things over a multi-decade career to improve the aftermarket business and the way it's done. And mm-hmm. they're all just great guys. And they all had really, really excellent speeches to make, uh, sharing what I distilled down to be a fairly simple formula for success. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's simple meaning uh, all of them echo the same thoughts. Find something you like doing, bring it every day and do it. Uh, Be respectful to those you work with and don't ever give up and you'll be successful. So, Wow, that is easy. It's simple, not easy. (laughs) Simple. Uh, I I stand corrected. Simple, not Not, easy. Right. Hard to do, Uh Uh, uh, but but a simple concept. Um, And I think those types of... Uh, inspirational speeches and and stories from people who have achieved levels of success that came from you know regular guy beginnings need to be told um, because I think there's a lot of people out there who don't identify with uh, people that are successful and they wonder how they got there or or worse they just assume that they could never do it themselves they just you know, right. oh, you, you own some giant company or you're a big hero, you know, and I'm, I'm right. not. Uh, uh, and these guys demonstrated that you can do it if, uh, if you put your mind to it. So, well, good. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, there was about 400 people there, I think, uh, all told. And, um, it was a great experience. It was, uh, it was a little different for me because it was very scripted and, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, the only time I read scripts is when you and I do the show. Yeah, <laughs> scripts, yeah. <laughs> hold on, hold on, let me turn the page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. There we go. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm not saying there's anything, uh, you know, wrong with that. It's just different for me. And especially working with Jesse. Jesse's great. And she's, mm-hmm. she brings a lot of experience, so she's the real deal, which is sure. crucial when you're in a room like that. You know, if they just hired somebody to stand there at the podium to read stuff, the whole room would be like, you know, get the gong and the hook because it's <laughs> full of crap. Uh, uh-huh. But the script structure is such that, you know, she reads, I read, she reads, I read. And then we bring up right. CEO of SEMA, Chris Kirsting, and he, he does his speech. And then, you know, we come back kind of thing. And... Normally, again, I'm good with bullet points. If I know what the message is, I can usually just deliver that straight. Mm-hmm. However, the script, every word was very carefully chosen for a reason. Really? Oh, and, boy. and that was the only thing that was kind of stressful is it's like, 
I want to make sure that I don't color that message by substituting a word or a phrase or something. Right. Um, so I just had to make sure that, uh, you know, I had my contacts in and I could, uh, uh <laughs> fortunately we had prompters so I could see the prompter. Good. Um, and then make it appear like I wasn't reading one, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, some people said, you know, they had some pretty positive feedback about that. We pulled it off. So, uh, it was right great. On. It was a great experience. Nice, man. Real yeah, nice. It was fun. Yeah. I like, uh, I like seeing you get, get that kind of recognition from, uh, from SEMA and well, we'll I know think- that you can, you can do the job. I definitely think it's, you know, opportunity over recognition. And part of it is that by doing what I do, you know, the, the industry is very diverse. So you have people like Ed mm-hmm. Pink that build engines. You have people right. that, uh, you know, create products and they race and they sell stuff or whatever. And kind of what I do is tell stories and, you know, be able to talk a little bit. And it's nice to say, to have them say, Hey, we, we need what you have to offer. Can you bring Mm -hmm. it? And then I can kind of give back in in whatever silly way I do and fit into this whole thing. And that again was a a tremendous honor to have that opportunity. And it also stems from some personal relationships that I've had with the members at SEMA. We've worked together in various capacities. Some of us were employed together and we used to work, you know, in the same building. Mm -hmm. Um, but then also, I think they recognize more so than I do that our business, uh, for example, the V8 Speed and Resto Shop and V8 TV, <clears throat> we're kind of a microcosm for what the trade industry uh, uh, organization does. What I mean by that is we buy parts, we're dealers for parts, mm-hmm. we sell parts to customers, we install parts. Uh, plus we have the media side, uh, mm-hmm. where we share parts and we evaluate parts. So really the only thing we don't do is manufacture, but we do everything else that you can do right. in the automotive industry. Yeah. And, that makes, that makes total sense. And, uh, uh Peter McGillivray, who's, uh, uh, the guy in charge of the SEMA show, uh, last year when I was doing the SEMA central interviews, he pointed that out. Uh-huh. He's like, you and Kelly are, are totally organic to what this trade industry is. Uh-huh. So again, there's, there's no faking this. This is just what we do. So uh-huh. the side benefit is we know a lot of people in this industry. We're, we're meeting right. new ones every day, but these are through business relationships um, and not just, again, a meet and greet and here, read this card and go home. You know? Right, right, right. It, so, it helps. Um, I think your, your, your broadcast background helps quite a bit. Um, you're really able to string sentences together smoothly, almost as if they have been rehearsed. Almost. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> That's meant as a compliment. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, let me smack, slap the other side of your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm sure that helps. And, and having years of experience doing that and putting uh, all the video content you put out, really helps hone your craft and mm-hmm. it's you're a, a great person to be on stage doing those kinds of things and it's good that they recognize that i mean it's the old adage is true the harder you work the luckier you get right so, yeah right yeah that's a great one yeah yeah well i appreciate it. so, that, that so good for you that's, man that's uh that's very nice of you to say yeah and, right on and uh you know i think uh again uh, we're very fortunate i'm very fortunate our company's fortunate uh, that we have a solid team that that shows up and brings it every day, and totally. tw- this will be my twenty third SEMA show I think this year, um, and I've been covering the SEMA event for almost that whole time, so I certainly know what they do, and we're on the right. same page, and they don't have to worry about me misrepresenting. You know, I'm a node quantity, right. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's funny. My um my my boss at my job has said this phrase for years and it, and it holds true with with what you do and as far as your the 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 good luck you've had with SEMA you you interview every day for future opportunities so and that's I mean that's you're the epitome of that yeah so that's yeah. uh I mean it, it it holds true I mean every day you got to bring it 
You got to know, keep striving for, for bigger and better things. If you want that, show you can do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and I believe that to be true, too, because you never know what this conversation could turn into. Exactly. Uh, for you or for the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also important to, if, you know, we know, <laughs> Kelly and I know, as small business owners, that we have to conduct ourselves in a manner that is nothing but professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the last thing we want to do is alienate a customer with a political viewpoint or a public, you know, social media post or something. So by keeping kind of that, that I don't even want to call it a clean, a clean slate, but really just not, not getting involved with that stuff. Oh yeah. It makes you more attractive to work with Yeah, from SEMA's standpoint, because they, they can't, they have, they've walked the line too. They can't, you know, have somebody mm-hmm. who's going to lean a certain direction because it's about right. the association, about the industry. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Yeah. They don't need a polarizing individual up there. <laughs> right. For sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. uh, so the event went very well and, um, Good. I was, I was very happy and, uh, it was energizing. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was cool. Nice. And Good afterwards, man. uh, I had the pleasure, Kelly and I went out to lunch with, uh, Dave McClelland and the lovely Louise, his wife. Right. And Dave, has been the host for the SEMA organization for 40 years. Is that right? He was the guy up until a couple years ago. And Dave and I have known each other for probably 20 years. Um, I met him just probably at the SEMA show, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we had done, uh, we worked professionally together when I was producing Hot Rod Magazine TV and he was the host. Mm -hmm. He was also doing NHRA Oh uh, yeah, drag racing stuff and the voice of the NHRA. Oh yeah, and and not only that, even to this day, you can call like the top ten automotive aftermarket companies, and the hold voice is him. You know, is that right? Oh yeah, and, <laughs> that's and beautiful. He, he did that is it for beautiful. Everybody, I mean, everybody knows Dave McClellan, uh-huh. and he is just the greatest guy to work with. Not just because of his tremendous talent, but um, what. When I use the word professional, what I mean is basically him. And what Dave McClellan does is on the shooting days when we were going to be shooting the stand-ups for Hot Rod Magazine TV, say it's a Tuesday and we got a location and a time and everything else, Dave was there. He was there early. He was ready to rock. If there was any script notes, he knew him. If by chance there was a better thing to say, he would suggest it. Uh, But he wouldn't push it. He would ask. Uh Um, he knew the subject material top to bottom. He could deliver flawlessly. He could deliver on time, get it done, be pleasant to work with, be accommodating, not be a pain in the ass and Mm -hmm. do it perfect every time. And Hmm. that's a tremendous yardstick. You know, that's a goal. Oh yeah. I mean, the guy's the Michael Jordan of doing what this is, you know, he just, you don't have to worry about Dave McClellan. It's going to happen. Right, right. Uh, so working with him all those years ago was really, uh, for me, a privilege to be in the same room with a guy like that and actually work with him. Uh, it was later learned that that was a, a treat because there are people that are not to that level Ooh. and they are harder Ooh. to work with. And I'm not naming any yeah. names or saying anybody in particular, but right. you know how it is in sure. any, any job. There are people of different skill levels and people that have different motivations. Mm-hmm. And when you have the pleasure to work with the top person, you know, everybody else is not the top. Right. <laughs> right. Only one top person. <laughs> right. So I've learned from him to try and uh, try to recreate some of those uh, uh, characteristics. Be there, be present, give it everything mm-hmm. you got. Don't be a pain in the ass, mm-hmm. you know. Be flexible. If you have a suggestion, offer a suggestion, but don't force things. Don't demand Uh things. Uh, And let's get through this and let's get it done and let's get it done well, you know. Nice. So when we were out for lunch, I I had thanked him again for for just being how he is and making my life easy and making our show great. And Uh uh, uh, he was appreciative of that, but uh, he also kind of gave me his blessing 
um, on doing this kind of stuff for for SEMA and and whatnot. He said a very a lot of very kind things. Oh, um, nice. Which which was just really unbelievable. Uh, mm-hmm. Along the lines of of not just blowing sunshine, but mm-hmm. echoing the fact that. Like you said, I have a, a production background, a radio background, television background, mm-hmm. both sides of the camera. So I know <clears throat> what these people are going through who are trying to put this show on from every aspect, yeah. the lighting guys, sure. the sound guys, whatever. And I know my place. I know I'm not uh. here to, I'm not some diva that wants everything changed <laughs> or whatever. Let's all work together to put the show on yeah. and whatever I can do, I'll do. Um, and he recognized, he, he pointed out that I, that that is a legitimate uh, uh, thing that I have to offer. He, so he said they would be smart if, you know, we work together more in the future. I don't know if it's going to happen. I hope so. It yeah. Would be cool. I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, another, uh, uh, another small piece of trivia regarding Dave McClellan that some people may or may not know is that he, in fact, announced your, your wedding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, him and Louise came to town and, uh, and emceed uh, our wedding. And it was great because there are those who are not racing fans in my family who had no idea who this guy was. Uh-huh. And as he's standing there in the reception hall announcing the, the bridal party coming yeah. in, <laughs> like, where did you get this guy? You know, <laughs> he's awesome. Yeah, right. He's unbelievable. And, and those who, who know him, of course, were just happy to, to be in the room uh, right. uh, and have a personal, you know, performance, if you will. By, by For sure. But he's been just such a great guy. And whenever you, for me anyway, um, and many people, if they have questions or or they need a they need an honest, an honest answer about you know life itself, because Dave has not just been an announcer; he's owned racetracks, he's owned businesses, he's been involved in every way. He's a racer, mm-hmm. uh, and he's always uh, good for solid advice, and he's not afraid good. to tell you if you're doing something wrong <laughs> uh, well, that's what you need sometimes this is exactly what you need a lot yeah. of times so yeah been a just a, a tremendous privilege to uh to be able to spend time with him and know him so and his wife is great and kelly we're all friends so it was uh uh-huh. so yeah so first to be able to do that that event on friday and then to follow it up with that um uh, that kind of support and and uh-huh. visit uh I, I posted a picture of us on Facebook, and I said that it was good mm-hmm. for the soul because it really is. It was a it was a great thing. Good, and, nice. and I, I hope everybody has an opportunity in whatever they do to know somebody at that level um, that they can connect with and and yeah. get that kind of feedback because uh, it's rare. Dig it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It certainly is. Yeah, I've uh, I remember growing up, you know, watching NHRA, listening to Dave McClellan, and I always thought, I mean, he was. I mean, he was the smoothest of smooth. I mean, he could oh, yeah. just, I mean, in, in a top fuel race, he could give you a, a story in five seconds when those yeah. cars are going down the track. Right. right. And it was right and it was good. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, and, never... and if it was a pro stock, he got a couple chapters waiting for a night for, you know, eight seconds of going down the, going <laughs> right. down the track. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget the first day we, we shot together and it was at the NHRA museum in Pomona, California. And we had written script notes for Dave, and um, I don't remember the exact topics of the episodes, but his capacity was the on-camera host. He announced, you know, what the upcoming segment was, and then we'd cut away and air the video and come back, and he would give us the, the coming up, as we call it, you know, before the commercial break, and then welcome us back. And everything had to be timed out right. And uh-huh we're looking at the script and you know, this intro needed to be like, you know, 30 seconds long or whatever. And we had a teleprompter, but we were having some issues with it. And, uh, this is again, first day jitters with a new crew and new talent, and new show. So he kind of pulled me aside and he said, uh, would you, would you be open to a suggestion? And I said, sure. And he said, how long does this need to be? And I said, uh, 30 seconds and he said what's the segment coming up and i said uh it's a driving feature of this 32 ford owned by you know this guy and whatever okay <laughs> all right well why don't we roll all right you know so make sure the lights are on sounds everything going all right you know 
countdown to action. The camera was going to move on a dolly. So usually you count down from five, four, three, two, one. On three, the dolly's supposed to move. And on one, Dave goes, you know, so it's uh, roll camera, camera speeding. All right, let's go. In five, four, three, camera starts moving. Two, one, go. Hello, everybody. Dave McClellan coming to you from the NHRM Museum in Pomona, California on the very first episode of Hot Rod Magazine TV. And today, we're going to take a look at a 32 Ford owned by Dave Gazinia of Pacoima, California. It's got a flathead. It's traditional. It's covered in flames. And you're not going to want to miss it. Whoa. And we look at the stopwatch and it's 30 seconds exactly, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, bro. And I look, I look over at him and he goes, How's that, son? <laughs> <laughs> and I knew right then, I'm like, You can just take the paperwork and throw it out the window, kids, because yeah. the show is on, you know? <laughs> and, and we got nothing to worry about. So as we're <laughs> right walking, on. it was great. And, and as we were walking around the museum, getting set up to different locations to shoot different stand-ups, uh, the NHR museum had a practice tree, uh, you know, quarter mile dragster tree. Right. And it, it was set to the pro setting. And on, on, a, on an amateur setting, it goes, the yellow lights light up, yellow, 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 green, then red. On a pro uh-huh. setting, all four yellows light at the same time. It right. goes, bam, and then green. And it's like a 400,000 second, uh, 400,000 of a second to go from yellow to green. So uh-huh. in addition to having this tree, they've got this game you can play with hand controllers. They right. call it a, a practice tree. So Dave's walking around and he says, uh, he picks up one of the controllers and he looks at me and he says, you want to give it a go? <laughs> and I said, sure, why not? I don't know, Dave. Yeah, right. So, you know, somebody hits the start button and... All the yellows light. He goes, bam, and he cuts a quadruple zero light. Perfect. Holy Perfect geez. light. And he puts the controller down and he goes, well, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is the best. Like, oh, my God. You know, just oh, in, in the geez. presence of somebody from somewhere else, you know. <laughs> Oh jeez! Because uh, he's been a drag racer his whole life, and and oh, is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he he had a uh, a Fiat Topolino bodied big block Chevy altered wheelbase car, and and oh know, boy, oh lots of stuff. So he later admitted that you know he might have gotten a little lucky there too. <laughs> <laughs> jeez! But that was it was too cool. So you know, <laughs> well that was fun. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, I'd just been my face would have been beat red. I'd have thrown it down and walked off. Uh, you know, but I, that, that's a funny thing is it wasn't like ha ha I beat you. It was right. He was providing context to sure. who we were working with here. You know? I see. And for me, it was a giant stress release. It's like this guy, I got nothing to worry about. You know, yeah, he, he's going to make he's- all of us look good. Let's, yeah, he's so, the real so deal. Honestly, then the focus became to the crew, and I'm going to use Michael's ja- or Michael Jordan as an analogy once again. Jordan was known as kind of a challenging player to play with because he was so demanding of the other players. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just all Michael Jordan all the time. Everybody had right. to rise to a level. Right. And, and that's how I felt working with Dave because we were all like, we got to step it up. I mean, we, we got the guy here. So... No jerking around, yeah. no wasting time. Let's get them in, right. get them out, keep them happy, and, and yeah. do it well. So Put out a good was, show. Yeah. It was, oh, looking back, it was really an amazing experience uh, to be able to oh, do that. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, right. And, and so it was really great to go back to Southern Cal, where, where Kelly and I lived for a number of years, and uh, uh-huh. reconnect with a lot of people that you know we know at SEMA and, and Dave and and then to take some vacation time. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and after the event, the next day we woke up and had just an awesome experience as tourists at the Peterson Automotive Museum. Right. Yeah. The, the vault tour. Yeah. And the vault tour. So my experience with the Peterson, it's on Wilshire Boulevard and it's uh, two blocks away from Peterson Publishing, what used to be anyway at, at 6420 Wilshire. And when I first started working at Peterson Publishing, uh, the museum had been open for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I actually had to park there as, as you know, if you're a, low, a lowly guy on the totem pole and you wanted a place to park, you park two blocks away at the museum uh, All right. for, for a time period. So I was there every day. You know, I would park in that parking garage and go up the ramp every day. I had a 69 Riviera mm-hmm. and I, that's where I parked. And then they had this mm-hmm. van shuttle thing going back and forth, which always oh. seemed to be late. So I was walking back and forth. Um, <laughs> and then because at that point it was Peterson <clears throat> Publishing and right. Peterson Museum, there was still kind of a connection there. So we would have our sales meetings and events and stuff at the museum uh, because we could, you know, it was just kind of a nice deal. Right. Yeah. And getting back to shooting Hot Rod TV, I remember getting my first kind of tour experience of the Peterson Museum uh, with Gray Baskerville, which was Uh also surreal. Because they had um, a bunch of hot rods that were that were. I guess now owned by Bruce Meyer and you may have seen Bruce Meyer's name come up. Uh, Bruce, uh, he's a, a Rodeo drive, uh, real estate and retail guy. He's got lots of financial resources and owns a lot of really great cars and a lot of them are on display there. So we were shooting an episode of hot rod TV with Gray Baskerville and he was giving us the lowdown on a lot of these cars that were on display, uh, which was wonderful. Uh, It was a very Mm -hmm. cool experience. And eventually the Peterson separated from Peterson Publishing and Peter, Peterson Publishing changed hands and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't really mm-hmm. get a chance to do much there any longer. But uh, a couple of years ago, they went through a, you know, basically a $100 million renovation. And you've seen the pictures undoubtedly of the red stainless ribbon design that's encapsulating yeah, that's nice. the building. Yeah. It's interesting. It's about the most controversial architectural project in L.A. Um, so it's huh. a total love it or hate it thing. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of people say, what does that have to do with cars? Um, <laughs> and other people say, well, you, you can't not look at it, you know. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, but it turns out that one of my good friends that I used to work with, again, at the magazines, um, has become a tour guide of the Peterson Museum and also the vault mm-hmm. tour. And the, the vault tour is really a stroke of genius on their part because sure. the upper levels are museum type displays with cars scattered around and lighting and artifacts and signs and posters. But somebody had the sense to say, you know, the basement's jammed with cars and they're not really on display, but we mm. bet people will pay to go see them. So I would heck yeah. And it is totally worth it. So, so Chris does tours all over the museum, but we, we got uh, a chance to, uh, to have our friend Chris Vopat take us through the the vault. And I've known Chris again, he and I worked together. He was an ad sales guy for some of the off-road magazines when I first started hot rod. And he was going through some personal turmoil at the time, a divorce and all kinds of stuff. So we spent a lot of time together. I mean, we're, yeah. we're good, good friends. Yeah. Uh, and when I moved away from Southern Cal, I don't get a chance to see him very often. But Chris was always one of these guys who had encyclopedic knowledge of stuff, but he was always out of context. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, we'd be out after work hanging out with a bunch of guys and, and, you know, having a drink or something and talking about, you know, the NHRA race and Chris would be like, Hey, did I ever tell you what the, the 12 stands for and the DeLorean DMC? Tell me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we'd be like, yeah, that's great. You know, nobody cares. Uh, you uh-huh, know, because uh-huh. it was always just kind of this left field stuff. Well, uh-huh. now that's what the vault tour is. So nice. Chris takes you, and there's other tour guides who do the same thing, but my only experience with that so far has been with him. And he did an impeccable uh-huh. job of going from car to car and just laying out a story uh, off the cuff. I know he's done this many, many times, but 
framing things in a way that is so entertaining and so educational. And now you got the car right in front of you. So you can see this stuff and you don't need context because as soon as that story's done, you go to the next car, you know, you know, you you know, that reminds me of, that reminds (laughs) me of a Kevin O.C. at the McCacken show and any, (laughs) any car that we walk by, Oh, this car, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, holy jeez. I mean, right like that. Well, you, you believe that? <laughs> well, you make it believable. <laughs> well, so, okay, I, I could see that. You know, there was maybe some parallels there, and and you didn't necessarily know that I happened to know the backstory on some of those cars. So I'm sharing yeah. it with you, and it just right. appears like this floodgate of knowledge. Uh, and and that's what Chris is, because Chris has done the homework, done the research, and right. but when you get there, you know, you only have either a, a seventy-five minute mm. tour or a two-hour tour, and he's going to jam that with stuff. Um, cool. And it just comes pouring out, and and I learned so much, and it was funny because I thought, man, you know, how does somebody get to that point of knowing all this stuff? And it's funny that if I am lucky enough to share some stories where it appears that I know that kind of stuff i'm not saying i do but but that experience was pretty cool and what chris was able to do is uh tell stories in a context of cars that i don't care about but all of a sudden i really mm. liked so yeah right french cars from the 50s right Ooh. citrons and yeah oh yeah right and normally i, I don't care but when yeah. he pointed out that after world war ii uh, all the European car manufacturers, the cars change radically. And I never really paid attention to them, but why did they change radically? Well, because the United States won the war. That's where the money was. So now they got to make cars that fit the American market. So all the ah. European cars grew. They got chrome trim. They became bigger engines as opposed hmm. to these tiny little things that went through the, the byways of you know Paris and Munich and all the rest. I never made that connection. So I was no. like... Hey, right on, you know, yeah. and, and, and like Citron, again, to use that as an example, the, the, the crest, the logo of Citron, even to this day is kind of this upside down V thing. I never knew what that was. Well, Citron had a patent on a beveled gear system and that oh. logo is the graphic representation of that gear. Huh. So, well, all right, Citron. Right. And he told us stories about Porsche and Delahaye and Bugatti and uh, DeLorean. Yeah, but but also Pantera and and, you know, mostly some of the European stuff, uh, but Rolls Royce and, and things. And then we got to a section of, uh, of course, the Peterson Museum has this kind of stuff, these one off cars that were owned uh, by celebrities or, or there's Pantera that, you know, was owned by Elvis and, but there's a row of limousines. So there's the Nixon presidential limousine. There's an FDR oh, wow. car. There's huh. S- Saddam Hussein's Mercedes Pullman is sitting there. Wow. And it's verified. Um, and, and no Chris kidding. knows the story about how it ended up in the basement of the Peterson, you know, and it's, huh. uh, so it was great. Uh, Chinese, a uh, uh, limousine, I forgot what it's called, um, a Russian gas Chaika limousine sitting there, all foreign dignitary, you know, stuff on. Uh, and the Peterson is on a quest to acquire these historically significant cars and preserve them. And, and they move them in and out of their displays upstairs, but uh, mm-hmm, the vault tour, mm-hmm. they're just a smattering. It's, it's all over the place, you know. Uh, and of course, there's some Hollywood stuff. There's movie right. cars, which I don't really care but at the end of the day, the tour that he provided was good enough and fulfilling enough to me that I was not even upset that Cadzilla was sitting around the corner and I didn't get close to it. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that stings. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, because I've seen Cadzilla in person many right. times. Um but this would have been the first time to be that close because it was parked yeah. right in this aisle of, of hot rods and customs that uh-huh. I think if we would have done the two-hour tour, maybe we would have walked through there. And we've talked about Cadzilla before. To me, it's the, the pinnacle custom ever built. Right. 
coincidentally, right now, um, Craig Naff, who's the, the main metal guy who did all the work on Cadzilla, has been releasing build pictures on Facebook. Really? I don't know if you're friends with Craig Naff, but you got to look him up. Uh, Craig Naff. Yes. Uh, and, and it's pictures of the day they bought the, the 49 Caddy sedanette, and then they started cutting on it, and they did the full-size rendering, and then here's evolution pictures of the tail fin and the, you know, the whole thing. Here's Billy Gibbons uh-huh. trying it on and all that stuff. Nice. So, and I, I, I've met Craig in the past too, but it was a weird thing as we're doing this tour and I peeked around and Kelly's with me and I look back and there's Cadzilla just, just sitting there, just bam, here it is. Mm. And I look at Kelly and I go, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) And she looks over and she sees it. And uh, it's hard for me at that point to not shed a tear. I'm just like, Oh wow. Mm. It's like seeing an old friend. Well, yes, you know, and, and again, kind of coming off this experience with connecting with SEMA and McClelland and, and my friend Chris and the cars uh-huh. and the museum, it was just, it was overwhelming. It really was. Yeah, um, right on. And I kept, I kept hoping, you know, let's go, let's go look at it. Uh, but Chris did such a great job of, of uh, navigating the waters of the, the tour that by the end it was like, you know, I know where it is and I'll be back. <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> and and hopefully i'll get a chance to get close to it again but anybody can do it and um petersen sen.org is the website and okay. you go there to uh to go take the tour and I, I recommend it wholeheartedly all the tour guides are great uh of course i'm partial to my buddy uh and it was really neat to see him in that capacity because yeah. he's really found his thing <clears throat> um that's uh, good. By day, he works for Race Pack. He's still in the industry and, and does cool stuff with cars. Yeah. But, I mean, this this was like, it was just, it was neat, you know? It was really cool, so. Yeah, I got, I was lucky enough, I got to, by happenstance, happen to meet Chris Vopat um, on the Power Tour, the last Power Tour I tagged along with uh, with my buddy Robert. Um, we happened to go up to Race Pack because he's been, Robert's been looking for gauges for his Galaxy forever, trying to figure something out. And we were talking in a little bit, and he I think he noticed my V8 TV hat. Mm. And we started talking, and he's like, oh, well, yeah, I know these guys. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know Kevin. And um, I mentioned that we did the podcast together. He's like, oh, really? He's like, hey, tell them your buddy, tell them Vopat says hi <laughs> and all that. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I will. I had so that was, uh, that that was pretty him. interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's a good dude. and, and He's a good dude. At some point, you know, you and I have been talking about getting our technology figured out to be able to have remote guests. He's top mm-hmm. of the list. Uh, we, we definitely have to have For sure. Uh, because not only does he have, you know, his encyclopedic knowledge, but there's some very funny, great stories that of stupid Good. stuff that we have done in the past <laughs> that, that need to be told. <laughs> all so, right. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, that's good that you met him. I forgot all about that. Yeah. 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 Cool guy. Cool mm-hmm. guy. Totally. Oh. So, yeah, you know, there was uh, the SEMA thing, the museum, um, got a chance to uh, to chill out for a few days and, and uh, ride a yeah. bicycle to the bar and, and do nothing and, and goof around. That's so, nice. Uh, it, it, was, uh, it was a big week. It went very well. Good. I hope you get to do that more often. Yeah, me too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like, I mean, right now you have the right people in place that will let you be able to get away for a few days here and there without having to call in constantly and worry about what's happening in the shop. So, well, right. Yeah. And, and yeah. again, we're fortunate enough to have super talented people and right. I also encourage them to be able to get out and do stuff and yeah. get, get away because as we came back, you know, uh, you know, of course Kelly and I were both kind of freaking out that we had missed a whole bunch of stuff. Um, uh-huh. But they took care of it. Um, our crew is wonderful, so mm-hmm. it was. Uh, yeah, it, it was cool. That is cool. Right on, man. Good. You need, yeah, you need to definitely be able to take a little vacay and decompress a little more often. More often than every fourteen years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've definitely oh, decompressed sure. here and there in 14 years, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come out in the garage and listen to some music, and uh, you know, crack open a cans of decompression. You know, that happens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, right on. But it right was all, it was also neat because uh, I met up with some TV guys that uh, I work with uh, or have worked with. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, one of our um, he's more than a cameraman. He's one of the his name is Evan, and he actually directs kind of uh, Muscle Car of the Week when we go out to shoot that. He's okay. L- L.A. based, but I, we bring him to that location. And mm-hmm. we had we had breakfast one day and lunch a second day, so I saw him twice uh, on that week. And we shared a bunch of ideas along with another television producer who lives a parallel universe to us, but primarily in the motorcycle world. He does a lot oh, okay. of two-wheel enthusiast programming, a guy named Steve oh, Mann. Yeah. And... Uh, he came out to lunch with us, and we, we bounced a bunch of ideas about the future of uh, media and television and car shows mm-hmm. and enthusiast programming and, and you know where it's all going and how to make sense mm-hmm. of all this because things are just you know evolving like crazy, and it's mm-hmm. hard to know uh, you know to, to read what, what's going to come next. And there's another show idea that we've had for a little while that um, mm-hmm. uh, might involve the the brothers' collection cars a little bit. Okay. But uh, but also, I think the 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 goal is to find something that's that's universally appealing or necessary, which is hard to do in a niche like car stuff. Right. Um, but what we've identified is that. Tickling, <clears throat> tickling the next generation to play with cars is becoming challenging. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? So Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. And, and our friend Steve, well, Evan is also a, a motorcycle rider, but Evan and Steve have said the bike world is really hurting. Uh, really? Be- because young people just aren't, they're not riding motorcycles. They don't care. Huh. And Wow. We see it on the car side where, you know, today the biggest feature of an entry level new car is its ability to, to send text messages and, and play MP3s. And it's nothing yeah. about the car. It's about, is it environmentally friendly? Is it cheap? And is right. it technology on wheels? Right. Yeah. So Does it get me from A to B. Uh Right. And, well, and, yeah. you know, when you and I, you know, were coming of age and we got our driver's license, the first thing we wanted to do was get in a car and get out of town. Yeah. And you've got daughters, at, you know, they can communicate with their friends via phone or text and they yeah. don't necessarily need that car to give them freedom. That's true. Yeah. So the automakers are kind of scrambling because they're trying to figure out how to embrace you know how to how to make cars cool for future generations and mm-hmm. and i experienced in la more so than where i live uh at home is the presence of lyft and uber yeah uh-huh. now you don't you know you could you could buy a new car for 25 grand or you can get three thousand uber rides <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah i mean that's that's definitely a challenge it, it almost i mean not to that degree but it kind of echoes uh, what was going on in the in the automotive world in the uh, in the late fifties, where the baby boomers were coming of age and they didn't want to. I mean, they wanted cars, but they didn't want their parents' cars because they were stodgy, you know, big, oversized, not fast, not cool monstrosities. And the automakers had to come up with a way to really appeal to these kids, and they they still need now need to appeal to these kids coming of age again. Right. So, well, yeah, it's a, it's a heck of a challenge. That's a great point. And I think what the difference might be is in the in the 50s, the baby boomer kids wanted nothing to do with their parents, not only from a car standpoint, but they didn't want the music anymore. They didn't want mm-hmm. the look. Right. They didn't want the food. I mean, it was a total rebellion. Right. Um, today, right. I don't think it's as much of a rebellion as it is. It's just not interesting to them because they can talk to people and get places without having to deal with it. And so, so what's the answer? You know, uh, there used to be a statistic that said one in seven jobs in this country was tied to the automotive industry. One in seven. Wow. Yeah. And, And what I try to tell people is that the automotive industry is not just 
cars, it's it's marketing, it's sales, right. it's technology, it's social aspects, it's design, it's right. you know, it's it's a retail, it's distribution, it's everything you can do can be done in that industry. And I think we're seeing a situation where we've got a couple generations now that have been uh, really brought up on the importance of the environment, which villainizes uh-huh. cars, and yes, the, 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 the reduction of importance of going places in a car, you know, with the phones and everything else. Uh-huh. So, so a kid born today is like two or three generations removed from the cool cars that you and uh-huh. I, you know, think are cool. And yeah, Dodge makes a Hellcat right now, but that's out of reach for you and I. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. So it's hard to uh, embrace a low-priced, entry-level car as being cool because they're not sold as cool. They're not designed as mm-hmm. cool. Uh, and the skill set to work on them is increasing every day. You have to be just as much of a programmer and an engineer as a wrench. Right. Uh-huh. And we're three and four generations into a society of parents telling kids to go to college and be a manager instead of being a blue collar person that works on right. stuff. So it's like disconnect after disconnect, you know? Right. But yeah. my belief, and I think we talked about this before on the show, is that, again, Chris Kirsting, the CEO of SEMA, said it best. For you and for me, there was a pivotal moment where we got a ride in something and that sense of motion changed our life. And I don't care what the car is, if it's a truck, if it's a motorcycle or a station wagon or a Honda, it doesn't matter. Once you experience that, it's it's hard to let go. Yeah, agreed. Totally agreed. So we're working on developing some programming that encourages that. I can't let right too on. much out, but it right, would, right. it would, it would be, you know, maybe sharing a first time experience, um, uh-huh. in a particular car, but also on a scalable <clears throat> level that encourages, um, locals wherever you are to do the same thing. And, and for years, there's been a movement called take a kid to a car show. And I'm sure you've seen that mm-hmm. in the past. Sure. And, and I kind of am odds with that a little bit because, what happens when you take a kid to a car show? Well, you drag a kid through a hot, sunny day and you say, don't touch that. Get away from that. <laughs> right. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's not a lot of times it's not fun for the kid. You know, they, they, right. they can't identify with what they're looking at. They don't have any experience with it. They can't right. touch it. They're in trouble <laughs> and they're hot. <laughs> so, Is it time for ice cream yet? Oh. Right. Yeah, you, you see <laughs> yeah. it. So, and I run a car show that that raises money for a youth organization, and and we have that same right. problem. So, to me, the next the next step is not take a kid to a car show, but give a kid a ride. You know, right on. Let's get him in the car safely. You know, yeah. and and properly, right. but show him how much fun that is to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, go around some cones or rock climb a hill or go through some mud or you know whatever it's going to be because that will perpetuate the industry and right and cars as we know it so that kind of came out of this uh visit as well (laughs) good that's great yeah i know i mean young kids it's it's less and less but it's nice to know that it's not completely dead where young kids are getting into these older cars i mean every every so often you see uh, a facebook post of a of a dad who's you know 15 16 year old kid uh has his first car and he wanted i want a trans am or you know i want an older trans am and he's any and maybe his dad got it for him and they worked on it together and they and they formed that bond working on this car and now this kid is hooked for life being a gearhead and i love seeing that it's less it's less than i used to but it's still it's still going on which is which is fantastic right that that is always great to see and and i think Mm -hmm. um that pushes a little bit different of an angle of the the family connection that can mm-hmm. happen. Of course, you got to have a family for that to happen. Uh, right. But also the satisfaction you get from working on the cars and exactly. creating or fixing or whatever. And that's mm-hmm. a skill set that's unfortunately going away. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. that's tough. Right? Because all that's of our tough. appliances yeah. are throwaway. You know, people don't fix anything anymore. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And the good thing, though, there's two things that are very powerful to me. One is that Hot Wheels are loved by everybody. Right? Little kids, yeah. I don't care. Gender, every little mm-hmm. kid loves Hot Wheels. So there's, they, get a, they get a taste in the beginning. Uh, and the other thing is that Hollywood still thinks cool cars are cool. You watch a movie, you know, every, every cool, you know, crime fighter or even the bad guys, or whatever, somebody's right. driving a muscle car, somebody's right. driving something, a Ferrari, yeah. some, you know, it's very few mundane cars. And, and <laughs> right. you and I have discussed our personal evolution and, and connection to certain cars. Your, your dad had a GTO. My dad had a right. 62 Galaxy and, and actually owned the one that I have now. Mm-hmm. But imagine if you're born five years ago and your only connection to vehicles is a minivan and some other Econo box. Yeah. It's not even going to be on your radar. You know? Yeah. It's just, yeah. That's, that's unfortunate. It's not even a thing. Right. Um, but if we can get a way to share what it's like to, to at least, you know, you and I know what it's like. You get in an old car, yeah. all of a sudden you're cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's right? not easy to do. Right. No, look at me, man. Same way. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you, you know. I drive that Galaxy around. It's bright red. Top yeah. goes down. Lots of shiny trim. And people are giving you thumbs yeah. up. You people know, look like, at you like, hey, cool guy. <laughs> right. It's a great disguise. You know, that don't happen in minivans. So, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you what. Right. You know, being a being a young kid and getting a ride in a certain car and seeing people turn their head and go, oh, man, look at that. You know, you're like, hey, yeah. I, I dig this. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. have to learn how to play it. <laughs> I didn't have to practice right. it. Yeah. I just got in and now I'm cool. Go. <laughs> you know, it's that mm-hmm. easy. <laughs> so <laughs> to try and promote all that. And, and I'm not saying that the future <clears throat> needs more cars. Because mm-hmm. in many ways, I don't think we do need more cars, especially, you know, being in L.A. traffic or Chicago traffic. You know, oh boy. It, I'm all for if you can telecommute, go for it. But I think there's so much positive stuff to be gained from the experience of learning how to work on them or or as a business to be able to make parts or sell parts or sell cars or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very social thing. Um, the the yeah. industry is, is great, great people. And... Uh, uh, I'm all for it evolving if it's going to be electric or if it's going to be autonomous or if it's going to mm-hmm. be whatever. Um, but I think it's still a very worthwhile place to, to spend a, a lifetime of, of hobby time or career time. Agreed. Totally. So um, where are we on this episode anyway? <laughs> Oh, we're 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 deep in it, man. We're yeah. deep in it. <laughs> no oh, it's getting deep over here. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, oh, lovely. Maybe I think we we're need, at the uh, part of the show where we answer our trivia questions. Yeah, maybe we need to play a loud noise to wake everybody up real fast. All right. Then, uh... <laughs> All right. <laughs> trivia, trivia. So, okay, your question. Yep. Uh, was what, what was the last year of a factory installed well, cassette? It was what player? what manufacturer was That's the right. last one to offer a cassette player in their car? Uh, and Kevin said it was Chevrolet. See the USA in your Chevrolet. Unfortunately, you wouldn't be playing a cassette tape in that Chevrolet um, because Ford was the last one to offer a cassette in the 2011 Crown Victoria. All right. Okay. Good. So I'm wrong. I'm fine with that. Mm. But my logic was sound, wasn't it? Your logic was sound. Yeah. Crown Victoria, again, a more senior mm-hmm. market uh, vehicle. Exactly. Yeah, it was an, it was an option. Huh. Nice. Mm-hmm. Where the heck mm-hmm. did you find that? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's uh, somewhere out in the, in the cyber sphere, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Right on. All right. Well, so I lose. Your turn. <clears throat> The, oh, uh, yeah, so I the, lose. The question, uh, what did the 12 mean in the DMC 12 model number of the DeLorean mm-hmm. fine motor car? Mm-hmm. And you said that it was the 12th iteration of the design, right. if you will. Yeah. 
God damn. Which, uh, unfortunately, was incorrect, my friend. <laughs> Ew, really? I'm yeah. shocked to hear yeah. that, Kevin, because I was so sure. <laughs> How about that? Man. The correct answer is that uh, although the original DeLorean DMC-12 stickered at about $25,000, their target mm-hmm. was to make a $12,000 car. Really? Yeah. Wow. That you know, be tough. You know where I learned that? At the Peterson Museum <laughs> from my buddy Chris. Damn you, Vopat! Damn you to hell! So if we have him on a, as a guest, you can, uh, you know, pick a bone. Oh, he's going to hear about it. <laughs> right on. Because oh, they have one is. of the, uh, interestingly enough, again, he had an ability to make me care about a car that normally I'm not super uh, enthusiastic about. But in the mm-hmm. vault tour, you will encounter a gold-plated DeLorean. Really? And, uh, and it turns out that uh, it was a promotional vehicle um, done by American Express, you know, home, ah, of, the, home of the gold, gold car. car. And they were going to make a hundred of these things and, and give them away or sell them as some kind of thing. And I, there's three of them that are known to exist today. And the no one kidding. that's in the in Pete the was uh, owned by some bank manager in Texas. And he had it on display in the lobby for a million years and finally ended, ended up over there. So it doesn't have any miles on it. He's, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he said it's never been started. No way. Yeah. But it's a gold-plated oh stainless like steel. Like real board. gold plating or was it gold leaf? Or I mean like real gold plating? You could still see the brushed stainless texture through it. So uh-huh. I'm guessing it was some kind of like, you know, gold plating, not leaf, uh-huh. but a you know a real uh-huh. fine plating wow. process. Jeez, that had to be pricey. Holy shnikes! It was interesting. You know? Yeah. So that was right cool. on. So twelve thousand dollars. I don't know how they were going to come up with that price point. Well, they um, they certainly didn't. Cause no, it was more than double no. that. You know, but uh, yeah, that was that's pretty aggressive. Well, the DeLorean Company was funded largely by the British government and by the likes of some uh, celebrities. Johnny Carson put a bunch of money into DeLorean. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, so I thought, you know, maybe, and you can ask Chris when you go, but maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe John DeLorean thought that the subsidies would be enough to bring the price uh, down. To offset the price. I gotcha. And then, unfortunately, yeah. the whole thing went sideways. and It did, didn't it? The rest is, you know, history. Maybe yeah. you could make a time machine out of one and go back and learn about it. <laughs> <laughs> I heard someone did that already. <laughs> yeah. But not to necessarily learn about DeLoreans. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I'll yeah. Just bring my almanac with me. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Well, this was fun. This was great. It, uh, this was totally fun. Yeah, we we've kind of we have we've been off the air for a little bit. This seems. Yes, and uh, a special shout out to, uh, of course, my lovely wife, Kelly, who's now caught up on all of our episodes. Is she? So all right, she Kelly. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. Gold star. So she was yeah. like, when are you guys going to do another one? So, Oh, right on. Good. I'm, well, I'm, uh, it makes me, it warms my heart to know that she's listened to every episode and still wants more. That's what I said, you know, because... That's amazing. <laughs> she's an amazing woman. She, yeah, without a doubt. And she'll be, yeah. you know, working on her laptop and I'll hear us and I'll walk by and go, oh man, those guys? <laughs> those guys are on? <laughs> but yeah. Turn the channel. Still wants hey, more, hey. so... Well, good deal. Right on. All right. And thanks to everybody for tuning into uh, VA Radio. We appreciate it. And you can uh, please subscribe to this on uh, iTunes, and then you'll get pestered when a new issue or new episode comes out. Um, Of course, you can listen on Stitcher, the uh, TuneIn Radio app, uh, Google Play, and then directly off our website at va8radio.com. And uh, the Facebook page as well. You can pose questions and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's about all I got, man. So I appreciate the time. Likewise. Thank you. And uh, try and keep the shiny side up, and we'll see you next time on VA Radio. <laughs>